When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Is straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Today, a rare weekend of positivity. Blades are put to the sword. There are back-to-back home league wins for the first time in 2023. The women's team end the year top of the league and the under-18s score nine. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Back with you for another couple of shows before our Christmas break then, listener. Hope you're well. Uh, it's me, Matt. I'm joined today by the returning Dominic Firefield. Hi, Dom. Hi, Matt. How are you? I am cooler than a Michael Elise penalty. Thank you very much. Um, Liam Toomey is also with us. You okay, Liam? I'm excellent. Not only have we got a win to talk about, but I don't have a quiz today. <laughs> yeah. That's what you think. <laughs> Nor I want to moderate, thankfully, right. after last week's. <laughs> unpleasantness um right we've got some good stuff to talk about today so let's get to it shall we here's palmer sterling the cross and in chelsea find the way through and it's cole palmer again mudrick palmer palmer trying to repay the favor to raheem sterling was he pulled back there sterling in midweather This victory is important in the way that that happened because in the first half we didn't find a way to block the low block, but in the second half we we changed it. I think we we were uh, good enough and very aggressive in the last third with the capacity to score goals and win the game. Chelsea 2, Sheffield United nil. I was mentally writing another script of misery at halftime after a laboured and lacklustre first half, but Chelsea found some quality in the second period and put the worst team in the league to bed to register back-to-back home league wins for the first time in way too long. Simon was there for the Athletic. Here's what he had to say at full-time. I'm going to make this all about me to start off with. There's been some outrageous allegations from my colleague, Liam Toomey, that on some kind of jinx this Chelsea Football Club. Well, actually, that, that perhaps they're not that outrageous because before this game started, I calculated that I hadn't seen Chelsea win a home league game in the Premier League since January against Don Fifield's mighty Crystal Palace. So my one-year anniversary was fast approaching. And I must admit, After watching a tepid, woeful first half, I was fully expecting my terrible streak to continue. So if anyone feels more indebted to Carl Palmer than me, I'll be very surprised. Carl Palmer made the difference, as we are getting used to saying on a a fairly regular basis when when Chelsea do well. Um, It was his knee into play with Sterling for the first goal when the first bit of quality from Chelsea really in the match 
And then uh, his simple assist, although it's anything simple when you're passing to Nicholas Jackson, which secured the three points. Then no one will get carried away uh, with this win. You know, Sheffield United are struggling side against relegation, but we've seen that you know, Chelsea hate playing these kind of teams that sit defensively and play for set pieces. And for a long time, it looked like that was going to work yet again. But they, at least they found a way, like I said, through Carl Palmer to get the three points and, and just lift the mood a little bit before what is a huge game against Newcastle. What I would argue a much bigger game than this one, obviously. Some might disagree given Chelsea's league position, but the League Cup is a lot easier to win arguably, than Chelsea climbing the league table, given their inconsistency. So, I was a bit disappointed that Nkunku didn't come on. It's probably the, the biggest letdown for the crowd, apart from the first half performance. Because, you know, with the points pretty much won in the last few minutes, Sheffield United had effectively given up. Um, but for some reason, Pochettino resisted the opportunity to just give him a token run out. Um, I don't think he'd have had to break sweat. But yeah, he's, he's just... Uh, I suppose just letting Nkunku get a taste of the bench first before unleashing him on the opposition. But yeah, all in all, a pretty sort of run-of-the-mill victory. But Chelsea don't get to enjoy many of those, so perhaps we should enjoy it. And um, my last note would be to talk about uh, Petrovic. As far as home league debuts go, full debuts, he couldn't have had a much easier one than that. We got loads of tweets on this game. One of them came from Lewis. He says, a performance we've been waiting for, uh, not in the sense it was vintage Chelsea, but rather getting the result when we've been pretty decent, but not great. Solid sevens all over the pitch. Uh, Liam, was the key here that that little halftime tweak that Maurizio Pochettino made, swapping the positions of, of Palmer and Sterling? I mean, that that's a kind of easy conclusion to jump to, right? Because they were both involved in both the goals. Yeah, I thought for a minute he might consider Luke Bosch's tactical innovation of putting a left footer on the left and a right footer on the right. He didn't quite do that, but um, the tweaking did did help, I think. I think it, it helped Palmer do what I think he does best in this Chelsea team, which is find little pockets of space in the final third to receive the ball on the half turn and then do damage from those areas. And And, you know, that's where... Laid the ball off to Sterling. Sterling times the run very, very well in terms of committing his defender, which is something that Chelsea have had to rely on him to do all season for creation. And even more importantly, Palmer times his run into the box to meet the ball to absolute perfection. And that's something we really haven't seen much from Chelsea this year. So it was, it was a nice, well-worked goal. There'd been very little to suggest that was going to happen that they were going to put all the pieces together certainly nothing from that first half would have suggested that Chelsea were going to make a breakthrough because it was all very slow and in front of Sheffield United it was it was like half a dozen other home games we've seen this season but once they got the goal I think it relaxed them a little bit the sequence that led to the second goal was a little bit chaotic but it, it they were putting Sheffield United under more and more pressure and um yeah, nice for Nicholas Jackson to get a little tap in as well. For Not the first time we've said this season. Nice for his confidence. Hopefully he can calm down and uh, and start finishing a bit more consistently now. 
Well, look, he's got seven Premier League goals, which is the same as Kai Havertz managed last season, and he finished as Chelsea's top scorer in the competition. So I would suggest that that's not too bad for somebody who's new to the league. Uh, Dom, somebody else who's new to the league is Georgia Petrovic. Uh, this is pretty much the perfect debut for him, right? Because I think he had one sort of decent save to make, but basically he could just stand and watch the rest of the game. I, I guess he'd prefer that rather than being peppered for 90 minutes um, on your Premier League full debut. Yeah, I mean, I think even that save might have been going wide of the post. Anyway, it was a free kick, wasn't it? Um, it's yeah, it allows him to settle into the into the role and um, feel like a, a Chelsea player, feel like a Premier League player after the distinctly more uncomfortable um, performance on what was his Premier League debut uh, when he, he the weak punch etc. In, in the previous game. But it's funny, Simon Johnson was who was at the game obviously for us was debating looking through ideas prior to the match and, and one of one of those ideas was clearly Petrovic and how he how he adjusted and how he the impact that he made but that became redundant by the simply there was there was nothing to talk about. I would have liked to have seen him try to get a thousand words out of Georgia Petrovic <laughs> well, I'm sure he could have managed it but I'm just not sure it would have been very readable. Um <laughs> that's pretty unfair on side. But yeah, I mean like common sense prevailed on that front. But he'll have an extended run now by the look of things. It doesn't look as if Chelsea will will prioritise a the signing of a of a goalkeeper in January. So depending on how long Sanchez is out, Petrovic will have a chance now to to show what he can do, and he will be better for for ninety minutes of inaction against Sheffield United. Because I mean, as you say, Matt, in the in the intro there, they are the worst team in the Premier League at the moment. So you can imagine that he's going to be busier in every single game he plays between now and uh, Sanchez's potential return. Mm, yeah, he'll be busy on Tuesday. One would have thought we'll look ahead to that Newcastle game. Later. In front of Petrovic, then Liam. Andrew says the four centre backs worked again. It's our best post Reese setup. Uh, there wasn't really another choice here, was there? Because Malo Gusto clearly not fit to start. Mark Cucurea injured, and, and Ian Martin's not a left back, is he? Apparently not. The jury is very much in, at least in the court of Mauricio Pochettino, and has been since the start of pre season. There wasn't another choice to the four centre backs. I thought it, it was the right choice for this game in just when you're considering the ways that Sheffield United would have looked to score. You know, you've got Ollie McBurney up front, you've got big burly centre-backs, even some of their midfielders look pretty imposing. So they they were clearly looking for free kicks and corners. They didn't get many of those opportunities, but the ones that they did, thought Chelsea's added height helped them deal with those situations reasonably comfortably. The one way it didn't help Chelsea, and I think that this kind of underlines why that particular back four is not a solution in a lot of situations is that they got nothing going forward from either fullback position. And when you're trying to break down a team that's defending as deep as Sheffield United, it makes life so much harder. You know, whenever you watch Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool games, how do they break down deep line opponents? They tend to do it by overloading them in wide areas with these little passing combinations and getting into positions to play cutbacks. You need numerical superiority in those areas and the fullbacks are key to that and if you've got if you've got two center backs that don't really want to venture into the final third and when they do they can't really do a lot when they get there it it does it does hurt you quite a bit but defensively it provided what Chelsea needed which was a stable base uh, if we go into midfield then, Enzo Fernandez dropped slash rested. He did come off the bench in the second half, but if it was a, a dropping rather than a resting, I'm not sure he can have too many complaints. Conor Gallagher, though, Dom, 
your muse in many ways and Simon's for his post-match piece for The Athletic. He's asking the question whether Chelsea should keep or sell. Uh, Avi's tweeted us to say, can't contemplate how the club are thinking of selling Connor. He doesn't want to sign a seven, eight-year deal as per reports, but if he is sold, can you say the club is backing Poch? Poch really likes him. Max wanted to know, was this Gallagher's best game? Maybe overlooked by Palmer's goal and assist, but he was the spark. He was better than he has been in recent weeks. I think that's obvious. I mean, the point that Avi makes there is the pertinent one, I think. You you want to be seen to be backing your manager, don't you? And, and I mean, really, what are you going to get for Conor Gallagher in terms of a transfer fee, given how little time he has left on his contract that's going to make it worth selling somebody who can be, you know, an emblem of the academy and who the manager clearly thinks is an important player in the team? I've loaded the question nicely for you there, so you can say, <laughs> yeah, they should sell him to Crystal Palace, if you like. Well, look, yeah, I'd love it if they if they agreed to sell him to Crystal Palace for a for a reasonable sum of money, and and indeed that Crystal Palace in lowly fifteenth place could persuade Chelsea or persuade Conor Gallagher rather that, that, that he he should come to sell us. But the reality is, and my feeling on this is, it, it's it's staggering that that this that January could see a parting of the ways. I cannot get my head around why there cannot be a compromise reached on this and a new contract signed. I understand at the moment the business reasons why he he might be sold. Um, this is a, a club that has overspent on a lot of players and needs to recoup some money if they're going to go back into the market, I would have thought. And Liam loves his pure profit references, and I'm sure that will that will come up again in, in, in January when it comes to all of the youth team graduates at, at Chelsea uh, in terms of, of bringing revenue in. But he has become so integral to Pochettino's side. He's made the case for retaining involvement, heavy involvement, even once Lavia is fit, Igachukwu's back, Chukwameka's back, um, when Caicedo is consistently up to speed and, and playing well every week, and when Enzo finds, rediscovers some form, that trio looked as if it might be the answer at one point in Enzo Caicedo and, and and Gallagher, and and to see that the board might might welcome offers or look at offers, having not reached an agreement with him over a new contract, to me just feels utterly wrong. But I understand that he divides opinion with the fan base as well. I mean, you only have to look at the comments on Simon's piece this morning. Um, it's pretty polarized uh, both ways here. It's it's it's. It's not a, an easy selection. And I also understand the context. Conor Gallagher, with the great respect, even for somebody with 11 England caps, if you're judging Chelsea by previous standards, probably isn't a, you know, the type of player that you should be fighting tooth and nail to retain. He's, are you going to win a Premier League title with Conor Gallagher in your team? I, I don't know. But that isn't where Chelsea are at at the moment. Chelsea need some kind of consistency. He is providing some kind of dynamism on the pitch, some energy. He's He has a feeling for this club where a lot of the other players have been brought in at vast expense and are still probably adjusting to new surroundings and, and, and developing those emotional ties with Chelsea. He has got those in place. I think that that counts for something and he, he should be retained at all costs. But saying all that, if uh, £20 million gets your man in January, then I'm sure Alice will find that money. I don't think it'll be 20 million. No, but it won't be. That's the thing. I mean, but 40 million in the grand scheme of things, Liam, they've spent a billion pounds. I understand that there are clever ways of doing all this accountancy and 40 million coming in now would actually be brilliant for their books in terms of, you know, FFP, etc. But 
there's got to be some kind of proper long-term vision as well involved in in in, in Chelsea, and I, I, I'm not sure it sends out the right message. Well, the most startling thing about the Gallagher situation, and you know, bear in mind this is, you know, an ongoing source of inquiry for us mm. uh, with all parties that there's nothing to suggest there have even really been serious conversations in quite a while about a new contract, which given the fact that he has so little time left, you know, 18 months remaining in January is pretty, pretty remarkable. And, you know, the thing I've heard a few times is that Chelsea don't want a repeat of the Mason Mount situation. Well, I think they've got one. And everything that we're saying about Conor Gallagher here is exactly what we said about Mason Mount, right? Important to the team, yeah. but divides supporters. Is he good enough to get you over the line as a Premier League winner? But they're not going to get £50 million for Conor Gallagher, surely. They can't think that somebody's going to make that mistake twice like Man United did. Well, look, I I don't know if it's too early to call what United paid for Mason Mount a mistake. It's clear that they, he's another player they've brought in without a clear plan of how to use him. I don't know what Chelsea could get for Gallagher. I know that they, they didn't end up getting the, the 50 million asking price in the last window. And you would think just based on the contract that they would be less likely to get that this time. On the other hand, he's had a really good six months, maybe the best six months of his career so far and that he's in every England squad. He's more integral to Chelsea than ever. He's increasingly the captain on the pitch. I think he has genuinely taken his game up a level. I don't think there's necessarily the toxicity there that there was with Mount towards the end in terms of between player, player camp and, and club. The thing I've been told all the way through is that Gallagher wants to be a Chelsea player. But at the same time, I could easily see a scenario where you end up with, you know, warring briefings of <laughs> people at the club saying we had no alternative but to sell because he wouldn't sign a new deal and people around the player saying... He was forced out. You know, they, we we could genuinely end up in a in a very similar situation to where Mount ended up. And the the problem with that from Chelsea's perspective is that you know Romeo Lavia is a complete unknown at this point. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think they necessarily expected to be in a situation at this stage of the season where they they haven't seen a minute of Lavia or Nkunku. You just have no idea what what you're going to get out of two. That's more than £100 million worth of signings. And that's not the kind of uncertainty you want when you've got the future of a key first-team player, which is what Gallagher currently is, in flux. lavia has got 29 Premier League games under his belt, hasn't he? That's And he's, he's still 19. Yeah, in maybe the weakest team in the Premier League over that time. So you're also judging him in a very different context to the one he'll be in at Chelsea. I don't don't know how many of those 29 games Southampton had more than 50% possession. So, you know, he's going to be asked to do very different things. But then you could argue the same that that is Gallagher. That is Gallagher when he went on loan to West Brom. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, he, the thing about Gallagher's journey is that he's played almost every week wherever he's been. He's got incredibly durable hamstrings and knees and calf muscles and all this sort of thing, like, which is quite rare at Chelsea, I think. <laughs> He's just kind of fit and available to play, which I think is an underrated, a chronically underrated ability at Stamford Bridge right now. One thing we would like to see from Conor Gallagher is a bit more goals output. He's still yet to get one this season. Uh, so Lavia yet to come back. He's a Joe Shields guy. So, Dom, is Cole Palmer, who'd started a grand total of three Premier League games before he came to Chelsea. Is he the most important player at the club at the moment? Well, I listened to that debate on Match of the Day on Saturday and and 
he arguably is now that Reese James is is injured again, as we speak at the moment. I mean, Cole Palmer does look a bit of a Rolls Royce player amongst. What's a kind analogy? I've got to think my cars through. I'm not very much of a car. Skodas, they're better than they used to be, but not very glamorous. <laughs> well, yeah, you, what you want is an overpriced car that, that is decent, but not brilliant. This is getting to Simon Johnson territory again <laughs> with the mixed metaphors. I had this chat with Simon this morning, actually, and, and part of me does wonder whether... I mean, Cole Palmer is clearly a good player. Don't be wrong. He's a, he's a good player who is really making a mark and a positive impression. But I wonder whether he's being made to look better than he, than maybe he, you know, normally we would we would we would pin to him just because Chelsea have been generally so mediocre, and so many of the players that they brought in have taken so long to adjust to life at Stamford Bridge, whereas Palmer's made an immediate positive impression and. Yeah, and, and Chelsea players look to him now. And you, you know, one tactical switch on on Saturday, and Palmer unlocks stubborn defence, and that is a good skill to have. However, we need the context that that was the worst team in the Premier League, a team with eight points to their name all season. And again, I'm, I'm guilty of this in some ways. I, I suppose we have to draw a line under the previous great Chelsea tides and just forget about them now and just look at what we've got in front of us. And at the moment, Cole Palmer, yeah. As an attacking force, he probably is the most important player in that Chelsea team because he he gets the the group functioning well and, and creating chances and and breaking down opponents. And not many of the, his teammates do that. However, I don't think Chelsea would look at Cole Palmer now and think this is his ceiling. He's got further. He needs to go. He needs to develop more. He needs to get better and better and better, and more game time and and more experiences on those on the pitch in the Premier League, hopefully in Europe again as a Chelsea player in the, in the future, will benefit him doing that. And then I think we'll look back at probably then and think, yeah, £40 million, whatever it was, was a, was a bit of a steal. One of the key questions for Chelsea's season, I think, is can Pochettino find the right balance with Nkunku and Palmer in this team when Nkunku's fit again? Because I think part of the reason, as Dom says, that Palmer looks so good and this was hammered home for me against Sheffield United is that he's the one attacker who's really good at moving between the lines. You know, they've got a lot of other attackers who like to run in behind into all that space that isn't there against most opponents. But Palmer can actually move in between and provide some imagination. And Kunku can do that too. So if they can get the balance right between those two and, and maximise both of them in a structure, then Chelsea might actually have an attack worth worrying about from week to week. But right now, it's all very reliant on Palmer. According to carscoops.com, the most overpriced car is a Jeep Wrangler. It's fun, but it doesn't shine nearly as brightly on the road as it does sand's pavement. It's making me think of Mikhailo Mudrik a little bit, Liam. He got his fourth consecutive Premier League start. That's the longest run he's had of uh, league starts since he's come to Chelsea. My goodness me, he's a frustrating player, isn't there? I mean, are we still at the point where we're thinking there's a talent there that can be unlocked or are we thinking, is his football brain ever going to click into gear? Because he has those flashes, doesn't he? But his decision-making just doesn't seem to be improving at, at the rate one might expect. Can you get Jeep Wranglers on like seven or eight-year warranties? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I agree with all of that, Matt. I think we are still there with Mudrick where you, you see the occasional flash and it usually relates to a burst of otherworldly speed or acceleration. 
but it's almost invariably well it's invariably followed by a bad decision or really poor execution and that to some degree is to be expected when you consider how little high level football he'd played before getting to Chelsea you have to separate the fee because i think there's no real justification for the fee other than Chelsea wanted to get him ahead of Arsenal but what concerns me a little bit more and what I thought we might have seen a little bit more progress on than we have is that when he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't have a great idea of what to do at this level of football in terms of what movements to make, how best to create space for teammates. You know, you see Chelsea on the attack sometimes. And this this wasn't really the case against Sheffield United because of the, how deep they were defending. But in other games, I've seen it, particularly against United at Old Trafford, where they're attacking and they need attacking width and he just makes a diagonal run into the middle of the pitch and ends up almost holding hands with Nicholas Jackson and they've got nowhere to go and they end up basically either having to go back or losing the ball. And that's not all down to him. He's not the only person making bad decisions in that regard, but it it does feel particularly glaring with him that he he doesn't always know where to be and where to go in certain situations and defensively I think he's certainly putting the effort in but he was really rough on that end as well in terms of getting his body position right when pressing I think he wants to be good I think the the desire is there to be a really good Premier League player but he doesn't have the know-how yet and I just don't know how long that's going to take to come or, or if it comes at all to the level it needs to I find it all a very refreshing throwback, to be honest. I think I grew up in an era where wingers were supposed to be like this, completely unpredictable, offered little flashes here and there and, and tantalising glimpses of their their quality and, and what they what they could produce, but never quite reached the consistency levels that you want them to do. Turbo Gronkia. Yeah, well, yeah, there's an element of that. I'm, I'm thinking more like, I mean, look, again, like going back to oh, the modern era, there's, there's something almost... Yannick Balassi about it is like very rough, very rough and ready. You can tell there's a real talent there, but it just takes a while for it to come through to actually produce a, a level of consistency. And and we have to remember how 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 young Mudrik is and and the background and and the disruption etc. And just hope that that yeah that he 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 develops training with good players and he and they are good players at Chelsea. Let's, let's you know I've I've been unfair with my. Uh, with my poor battered car analogy in the previous section, but they're, they're decent players. He's got a good coach there to to talk him through the development of his game. He will get better and better and better, but it's that old word, isn't it? Patience. You've just got to give him a bit of time. There isn't a lot of patience in, in football at the moment, particularly at Chelsea. Yeah, coming up to a year as a Chelsea player, Mikhailo Mudrik. All right, that was Sheffield United, a very enjoyably routine and fairly insignificant game that ended in a Chelsea victory. It's been too long since we've had one of those. All right, when is a Carabao Cup quarterfinal the most important game of the season? Uh, when you've been in a year-long funk. The big Newcastle preview comes next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Chelsea and Newcastle meeting at the bridge on Tuesday, placing the League Cup semi-final at stake. Newcastle definitely more bothered about it than they were this time last week. Uh, Simon asked Maurizio Pochettino about the game post-Sheffield United. Here's what he said. Now we want to win this competition, but first of all, we need to think and try to recover the player and we are going to play with the, with the best combination that as possible. It's a final for us. It's going to be an opportunity to, to go to a semi-final and, of course, a uh, really important game uh, for different reasons. But I think step by step, the competition is good and, and it's one of the competitions that we want to go through. Uh, here's Prasanna, who got in touch to say, Chelsea in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. How important are cup runs for Chelsea this season, especially since they provide entry to next season's European competitions? Um, Liam, I keep coming back in my mind to uh, Mikel Arteta winning the FA Cup in, in 2020 and that maybe being something which extended his time at Arsenal when he had some some pretty bad results around that. Do you think this could do something similar for, for Maurizio Pochettino if he was able to, to guide Chelsea to this trophy? I see you, Matt, covertly laying the blame for the Mikel Arteta golden age at Chelsea's door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there isn't the same sense of jeopardy right now with Pochettino I don't think this might age badly but we don't get that impression right now in terms of his job security but for belief in the project as it were I think cup runs can be very important and winning one of these things I think it'd be huge for a group of players that have not really done anything of note together yet and it would be really important for well certainly be really important for this ownership (laughs) just to provide a bit of credibility as to the club building in the right direction, because I think that confidence certainly on the support side is in short supply at the moment. So this is a really big game. And I think, I mean, it's a bigger game for Newcastle now than it was even a week ago because they're out of the Champions League. They're out of Europe entirely for the rest of the season. And, you know, a club with their history can't afford to just sack off domestic cup competitions you know they haven't got enough of those in their trophy cabinet to do that so I I think this is going to be a really big game a really intense game and the question for me is which team has the the physical intensity to win it because you've got two really injury hit squads that haven't been able to rotate as much as their coaches would have liked over the last few weeks and two coaches that really demand that level of running and pressing from their players so I feel like Maybe the team that works harder ends up winning this. I don't necessarily expect a really high quality game, but certainly this competition has opened up to a degree for Chelsea or Newcastle or anyone else who might want to win. So it's about going out there and taking it now. Newcastle have only actually won twice away from home all season and none of their last five games in all competitions. We say, Dom, that it's a more significant game for them now than it was when they were still in European competition. But you think, well, 
Eddie Howe might have played a, a slightly weakened side, but he doesn't do that, does he? Because A, he can't, but he just tends to, to stick to the same team anyway. So maybe it wouldn't have had that significant an impact on on the side that Howe selected. And, and he's got, what, Cher and Joe Linton probably not going to be able to play in this game, having become the latest to limp out of a Newcastle team on Saturday. Yeah, only marginally counterbalanced by uh, Isaac's potential return from a groin problem. But... I mean, I think he plays the same side out of necessity. And I know we've spent a lot of this season talking about how hefty Chelsea's injury list is, and quite rightly so. I mean, it's ridiculous the numbers of of problems that they've picked up over the course of the season. But but Newcastle are a state as well in that in that regard. And I don't think they have the the depth of squad quite yet to to cope with that and give people rests, really. I mean, I suppose he, he would argue that he gave Isaac a, a bit of a rest at the weekend. He was in he was in the fatigued zone or red zone or whatever we call it, um, with his groin problem and, and sat out the game against Fulham. And thankfully for Newcastle, Raúl Jiménez's bizarre first half challenge allowed them to have a bit of a breather in the second and, and win that game at a canter. But you're right, Newcastle's away form is is troubling. It's really that they haven't won away since they won at Old Trafford in the in the previous round normally speaking they would be there for the taking but you just wonder whether they'll they will arrive at Stamford Bridge with their sort of you know steeled and ready for this you know the resolve to to push forward to a second successive league cup final having come so close last year against Manchester United and and it's going to be a fascinating game it's going to be brilliant i think it's it does mean something, as Liam says. It's it's important for Pochettino. It's important for Chelsea to get through. And and if you actually look at the the other teams in this quarterfinal draw, I mean, you know, Liverpool are still in there. But other than that, it's really the, the favourites are going to come from from this tie as to who goes and claims it. Um, so it's a real opportunity, and it's one they have to take. Chelsea have to take. They have to exploit the fact that Newcastle are probably slightly more wounded than they are. And it's not often that Chelsea can say that this season. Liam, something else which might be a factor, I suppose, in this game is the fact that Chelsea put in what I would consider to be their worst performance at St James's Park a couple of weeks ago. That that certainly be fresh in, in Maurizio Pochettino's mind, right? To try and put right the wrongs of St James's Park. Yeah, and you would hope it would be fresh in the minds of the players that were responsible for that performance and that they might take it a bit personally that... They just allowed Newcastle to run all over them in the second half. And that's why I think the physical intensity is key because that I've watched Newcastle quite a bit. I've been watching them a bit in the Champions League this year. And even though they've struggled in quite a few of those games and ultimately didn't get through in that group, in order to get anywhere against them, you have to match their energy. That is the bare minimum. If you don't do that, you're not going to win and you probably will lose because they're just a really they're really physical side you know they're quite cynically physical at times but you know I I don't say that as a as an insult I, I think good teams have to have that or it's it's certainly a positive if they do you know there is an element of uh, Kieran Trippier bringing back the Atletico Madrid vibes How's team was like that at Bournemouth by the way it's not just a Newcastle thing yeah, well, they certainly had their moments at Stamford Bridge as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. against Chelsea. So Chelsea will have to deal with that. And there have been some feisty games at, at St. James's Park between the two teams before. And I think the biggest indictment of that loss was that there wasn't really <laughs> any tension because Chelsea just didn't match 
that level of intensity. Um, so that's number one. And then it's about finding moments of quality. And we know that's been a bit of a problem for Chelsea at times this season as well. But they do have they do have Palmer in good form. I think Sterling's been reasonably reliable. Jackson's managed to score again. There's always a nuisance factor with him, at least, even if he struggles to stay onside. And Nkunku now is apparently fit enough to be in squads. And maybe maybe a card that you can play off the bench in this game. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Pochettino didn't bring him on against Sheffield United. And I thought that may have been with a view to keeping those potential minutes in his legs for this game. So we'll see if he's able to come on and contribute. But that could be a little bit of an X factor for Chelsea. What state of the game, Dom, do you think would mean that we'd be most likely to see Unkunku? Because you would have thought that Saturday... 2-0 2-0 and cruising against a poor team might have been that. So is it going to be more of a desperation? Chelsea are losing. Let's throw him on and see if he can do something. Or or, or is he just going to be an unused sub for a few games and, and we might see him more likely, I don't know, against your lot or Luton or something in a couple of weeks' time? I wonder whether what my lot did on Saturday is an indication of what a comfortable 2-0 lead against a poor team means in the Premier League. And you don't want to take that risk when you're when you're in a situation where, I mean, anything other than a victory against Sheffield United would have been, you know, disastrous for Chelsea and Pochettino. I think it just would have felt awful. So I can sort of understand that there was a level of caution in in, in that. I mean, I know that the bulk of the substitutions came on after 89 minutes, but really what's the point of bringing somebody in after 89 minutes in that game? You probably want him to have a grander entrance than that. <laughs> I would have thought, if, if, for example, if, if Chelsea are, uh, have a narrow lead against Newcastle and and you want to give Newcastle something else to think about, something else to worry about in the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes of a game, then this might be an opportunity for him to do that. But but we, we have to remember that, that that Pochettino and his medical staff and his, and his coaching staff and the sports scientists there will know how much time Christopher and Kunku can play in a game safely at this point. We have to trust them. They've seen his performances on the training pitch. They will be better judges than any of us as to when he can come on and make an impact. And if that is, you know, on the 27th against Palace, then then fair enough. If that's in the new year, when we, if it's even FA Cup third round day, it, I think we just have to trust them on, on it. Um, and, and again, be patient on it because that was such a... A lengthy period out. He is a player that is going to play such a key part, hopefully, in the second half of the season. There's no point rushing him in now. Let's just let's just trust their judgment on it. And I'm look, I'm sure we'll see cameos, whether that comes against Newcastle, whether that comes against Wolves or Palace or whatever in, in the weeks to come. But I think we just have to have a bit of faith in in their judgment on it. All right, well, whether he features or not on Tuesday, we will react to the game in our final pod of the year, which will come up on Thursday. Next today, though, we're going to round up the rest of the Chelsea news, starting with the women's team. Lauren James charges forward. Lauren James with the shot. Lauren James with the goal. Magic, magic, magic. And after a tough week... Lauren James finds the back of the net with yet another stunning strike. Her seventh of the season, and this game needed that. 
Well, Arsenal handed Chelsea a paddling in the WSL last week and then they handed the advantage back to the Blues by losing the North London derby on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Chelsea took that advantage and reinforced it by comfortably beating Bristol City at Ashton Gate on Sunday. It means they're three points clear at the top of the table. The WSL is now on a winter break until the third week of January. Manchester City and Arsenal level on 22 points behind the Blues. Oh, I'm trying to find another way of asking you about Lauren James being good at football, Dom. But even <laughs> by her standards, that goal was super impressive. I mean, effortless, almost from nothing. The kind of thing that, that just makes you so jealous of footballers, doesn't it? Cause you think, I could never do that if I tried my hardest a hundred times and you've just kind of done it as an afterthought. A hundred times? I mean, give it a thousand, surely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant goal. I mean, she, she collects possession in a... A little pocket of space outside the box, but from the moment she collects the, the ball and and turns away, I think it's Rogers from the Bristol City uh, midfield, just, just spins in behind and creates a space with a diagonal run that Rogers can't. She just can't catch her, and the the finish back across the goalkeeper into the top right corner is stunning, absolutely stunning. And there's a grace to it, as you say. It's it's it does look effortless. It just like oh, you know I'm I'm bored of this game now. I'm gonna I'm going to illuminate it with something and, and just settle the points against the, the worst team in the division. And and But the emphatic nature of the finish and almost the disdain with which she, she smashes that ball into that top corner is is wonderful to see. And yeah, and, and she is a player of such class and quality. She is somebody to be cherished in that in that Chelsea team. And, and she will she will illuminate a lot of a lot of uh, WSL matches this season, I'm sure. But that that whether she actually scores a better goal than that, I'm not sure. Matt, can you think of another footballer in the men or women's games that could bury a left-footed shot into the top corner from 25 yards and then curl a right-footed shot off the crossbar from 30 in the same game? You know, she reminds me of a little bit, and this is showing my age, but she reminds me a bit of Chris Waddle with that kind mm. of style that she's got around Swagger, the Swagger, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, effortless is the word I keep coming back to, but just kind of like... Okay, I'll let the kids play for a little bit and then the adult can pick up the ball and show you how it's all done. Um, It's amazing. I mean, Cuthbert's volley wasn't bad for the second goal either, we should say. And then Sam Kerr wraps it up just before the hour and Eve Charles got sent off late on for a second booking. We speak a lot, Liam, don't we, about Chelsea's squad depth and and we saw that here because they they looked pretty tired against Hecken on Thursday of last week. 0-0 draw at the bridge. They go to Sweden on Wednesday. But here, Emma Hay is able to bring in Hannah Hampton. Remember, she's an England international, the third choice goalie for her debut. Made a good save as well. And, and Micah Hamano comes off the bench, who, who Jesse, for one, has raved about and, and everybody seems to like the look of. So, yeah, again, the fact that Chelsea have got such a deep stack squad paying dividends here. I know that Emma Hayes and Paul Green have always tried to create a situation with the squad whereby... Chelsea women's training sessions are tougher than about 70% of their matches, 70, 80% of their matches. And I think you see that at times like this, the quality running right through the depth chart is just really formidable. And they're, they're just built to win leagues, aren't they? And you saw the way that they bounced back from that Arsenal setback, which was a real body blow, I think. And this was clearly, you know, exactly the type of game that you'd want Bristol City at bottom of the league. Even away from home, you know, you're not expecting much trouble from a game like that. 
but to win it as convincingly they, as they did and then to turn around at the break point WSL and, and say, well, you know, Arsenal have put us on notice, but we're three points ahead. We're three points ahead of Manchester City as well. And the season's not that long. You know, we're already nearly halfway through. So if you're one of the teams trying to chase Chelsea at this point, you're not feeling great about yourselves because historically there's really almost no margin for error <laughs> in the WSL title race. And and Chelsea are more used to that than anyone else. And they've, you know, they've handled their business enough times that the Arsenal game is not a killer for them. Yeah, we've mentioned it a couple of times on the pod this year that nobody's ever won the WSL having lost more than two games in the season. And Manchester City and Arsenal have both already been beaten twice. Just one defeat for Chelsea so far. We'll let you know on Thursday how they get on in Sweden when they play Hecken in the Champions League. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, on Sunday, the under-21s went to Liverpool in PL2. They were beaten 2-1 after a late Bobby Clark winner. 24 hours prior... The under-18s put on quite the show at Cobham. They whooped West Brom 9-1. Shimi Muika got a first-half hat-trick. Harrison McMahon scored a goal that would make Gaza blush. And Danelle McNeely and Chinozi Chibuzi bagged late braces amidst uh, a few other goals as well. So well done to Hassan Suleiman and his team. It was uh, a really sensational performance, as you might expect, given that they scored nine goals. Uh, whether you think this has been a sensational performance from us or not, I would encourage or implore you to give us the Christmas gift of a nice rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave a review as well, that would be much appreciated to the athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber at the moment, it'll only cost you a pound a month. It'd make a nice Christmas gift too. If you do sign up, use that link. That helps the pod out too. Uh, we are at SO Cobham pod on Twitter slash X. If you want to give us a follow, as I say, we are going to be back on Thursday. It'll be a big show as well, because it's our final one before the Christmas break. Uh, until then, I give my thanks to Dom, to Liam, to Lucy and to you for joining us. And we'll catch up with you later in the week when Chelsea will be in the League Cup semi-final, hopefully. Bye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>